Welcome to EduServe's Public Sector Digital Podcast. In these Coffee Break Conversations, Natasha and Andy draw from their experience of working with public sector organizations to keep you up to date with the latest technology trends, discussing how these apply to meeting business objectives in the sector. Hi, and welcome to this week's Public Sector Digital Podcast. I'm Natasha Vainanzar, and I run the Executive Briefing Program here at EduServe, and I'm here as always with Andy Powell. Hi, everyone. Our CTO. So last week, Andy, we were talking about data. We were. Uh, which is a massive topic. Um, yeah. And we started talking about the building blocks that um, organisations might want to put in place. Yeah. And we talked a little bit about open data. Yeah. And that started to bring us on to another conversation about how there is a change in dynamic with your citizens, your communities, if you start opening up data and giving them that option. Yeah. And so we thought that would be a good, good way to start a conversation today. Yeah. So I think there's two. There's, there's actually two aspects to that. And the, the first, which is, and this is a slightly more, slightly less, slightly less importance, I suppose, is that citizens who take an interest in data and start building things on that data have a shared interest in service delivery. So if you've got a, a you know a citizen out there who, who builds an Alexa app around bin collections or something based on your data. They then have a vested interest, one in the quality of that data and in the ongoing delivery of that service going forward. And that in itself changes the relationship between you and that individual or you and some other um, company out there that's doing this kind of thing. So that's, that's one way in which the dynamic changes. But I think the other way is that the more data you open up, the more you empower your citizens to take an interest in and contribute to your decision making because they can look at that data and they can question you about the kinds of decisions you're making they can feed into that decision making process and so on so I think that really does change the nature of how you interact with citizens who are taking an interest in your data. So there's some challenges there aren't there? Yeah absolutely. Um, that, that change in relationship means there has to be a change in how you manage that relationship and a change perhaps in some attitudes. Yeah, I think I think that's that's the critical thing. So I, I've got a, a story from the time when I was um, chair of governors at, at a, a, a junior school in, in Bath. And at that time, the junior school was merging with another infant school, happened to be on the same site, to become a primary school. And, and the council did some working of around the numbers of children that they expected to be coming into that new school over the next sort of four, five, six years based on sort of birth rates, historical data and predictions about movements of people in and out of that area. And all of that was based on openly available data. And one of my governors took the same data, did his own analysis of it and um, came to a rather different conclusion than the council did. So the council said we needed to be a two-form entry school, and he said, oh, no, you need to be a, we need to be a three-form entry school because there's that many children coming through, and we can see that over the next four, five, six years that that's going to be the case. And we went to... I remember we went to a council meeting, and, and uh, this guy presented his numbers, his analysis, and... Uh, the council didn't buy it, but actually it turned out that he was he was right. And over time, the school started to be oversubscribed and actually had to turn away children because 
they didn't have enough spaces in the classes available. So it's a really interesting example. And in that case, it didn't change policy, but you could argue it should have done, and, and maybe the council should have taken a little bit more notice of the, of the numbers as presented. Well, interestingly enough, there was a, a research report published, um, I think just last week, by the new local government network think tank that talks about um, how councils need to maybe take a step back um, and and give more autonomy to to their their residents. Um, and they were talking about different principles to make successful relationships between councils and communities. Um, and one sort of interesting quote there is of old habits die hard and the traditional paternalistic mode of operating is underpinned by a large bureaucracy that has multiple procedures which sometimes produce mixed messages. In turn, councils have statutory duties so that all their residents and communities themselves have competing priorities and or inconsistent engagement. So there is kind of a bit of a... Um, a, a tension there, I think, between between kind of old ways of working and that yeah. paternalistic approach, yeah. and opening up um, and and giving citizens and communities more power. Um, I've definitely seen a more positive um, view on that as well. So I interviewed Wigan Council and, and, and did a, a round table up there um, last year when I was I was doing a sort of skills digital change project, and they base their ethos or something called the deal, and it's about um, collaborating with customers. Um, as they call them, and and collaborating with with staff as well, and they have a deal they sign up to with their community, and they have a deal they sign up to with their staff, and it's all about having an equal footing, and they see the provision of data and digital as being really the, the key element that's enabled a lot of that work to happen. Yeah, make, makes sense. I mean that that deal sounds really interesting, and I imagine there's been quite a cultural shift within staff at the council to actually make that work because I, I think you've probably got to approach your relationship with citizens quite differently once that deal is in place. You've got to trust people for a start mm. and you've got to listen to what they've got to say and you've, you know, the onus is on you to expose information that helps citizens come to sensible decisions and give you, you, know, give you their thoughts on stuff. Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, in in that process, they've got there's elements about skills and learning and trying to um, put digital skills into the community. There's elements about sort of intelligence and analysis, which isn't similar to what you were saying um, with your example. And actually, a lot of that they describe as a massive, massive cultural journey. So they've been working a lot with their staff around behaviours um, and they 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 tie that into three things so be positive be courageous and be accountable yeah. um, and also you've got to remember that the people that work there are a part of the community you yeah, know a, a massive part of the community and I think that has helped and, and they're doing some really interesting things that um, and I think there's a lots of things that that, that can help to answer yeah. um, a lot of problems I, I think the the other thing is we're not just talking about individuals here so there will be a kind of variety of groupings of of individuals and, and groups and so on from you know individual people through local um, meetup groups you know people that are meeting I don't know um, cycling groups for example would be an example who have a, a vested interest in transport issues for example and those kind of groupings in my experience will be really interested in the kinds of data that that councils can make available and in what that data is is telling people about the way transport should be organised, you know, where where we need cycle routes, that kind of thing. Um, and then you've got um, 
you know, SMEs or not-for-profits who, who probably have an interest in developing tools around your data and so on. And again, as soon as that happens, they then have a vested interest in how that how those tools are used to deliver services going forward. So it's, it is quite a complex area. And I think, you know, for the council to manage that set of stakeholders, that set of interested parties and engage with all those people is, I imagine, is, is actually very difficult. And, you know, I think seeing examples where that works well, I think, you know, other people can learn from. Mm. There's certainly challenges, but actually, you know, in terms of being able to draw from a wider range of resources, the innovation of the community and having the community feeling involved, I think it's really positive. Yeah. I think um, sometimes there's also that challenge that actually is it just the more maybe privileged in society or the people with the loudest voices that therefore then get better services from their council, for example, as a result. Um, you know, the thing is about like things like social media and things like that, it, it, you start getting um, those people that shout the loudest actually are the ones that maybe get the results and maybe those aren't the people that need it the most in the community. So there is an element of having to go out into the community and actually show people what's possible yeah. rather than just having those who are already the most sort of plugged in or, or the noisiest being the ones that then control the agenda. Yeah, I must admit, yeah, that certainly does sound like a challenge, I agree, and I, I don't know how you would ensure that happens, but it's clearly an issue for councils to think about. So what do you think are the first steps a council should take in trying to get more engaged with their community around data? So I think there's, there's a couple of things. Firstly, there's the data that they're opening up. So that's identifying sources of data. You know, what, what are they sitting on that might be useful to people? How are they going to ex expose that data? How are they going to ensure that that data remains of good quality, you know, is current and, and so on? So that's, that's one thing they can be thinking about. The other thing is getting engaged with with activity out in the community so that's understanding you know what what groups are already out there looking for data trying to build services um, trying to analyze data those kinds of things there may well be meetups already happening or individuals who are particularly active in this kind of area and I think you know, council staff can get involved in that and it, not necessarily by formally representing the council, but just by turning up at meetings, sharing their knowledge and expertise, looking for suggestions for data and so on, all, all those kinds of things. I think the first steps can be quite informal, actually. Yeah, I mean, and certainly reading the the, the report I was talking about from NLGN, um, Powder to Joa ends on quite an interesting point, actually. Um you know, with any relationship, a positive partnership takes time and perseverance to develop. Real opportunities are grasped with a genuine shift in which communities themselves feel in control of what matters to them. This moves beyond traditional transactional interactions with the council as a provider and the community as a recipient into relationships based on a shared sense of mission and ambition. Um, and so surely getting out there and seeing what's already happening is going to be the first step to, yeah, to sharing so. that mission and ambition. And actually, it's also interesting. I know um, local government digital a lot of what they do is kind of you know based around that grassroots understanding of what's happening in the community yeah. and you know there's some there's some great advocates sitting in in all different areas of government local government and central government people who have got great ideas um, and by using the community they can kind of they, they can come together to make good things happen yeah okay well thanks very much i think that's it from from us for today yeah just to remind you what we do 
We help people migrate to the cloud, optimise the use of public cloud once they're there, and help you develop applications for using in the same. And we work with Microsoft, with Azure, and Office 365, and AWS. So that's everything from us. Thanks very much. Bye. For more blogs, reports, videos, and podcasts, visit eduserve.org.uk slash insight.